Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Surianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. This episode is being recorded in the middle of March during the height in the U.S. of the coronavirus pandemic. And today's episode, we're going to talk about the Taekwondo community's response to the coronavirus or more significantly, to the adjustments that we need to make as a community to the coronavirus pandemic as it relates to our schedule and our training and our interaction with other Taekwondo practitioners. 2020 has started out to be a really terrific year, not only as it relates to the world, but as it relates to Taekwondo. As many of you know, while I don't know at this point what will happen, 2020 is an Olympic year. And that is always an exciting time for the Taekwondo community. Recently, Paige McPherson and Zolotich qualified for the U.S. Olympic team. And we looked forward to seeing the USA Taekwondo team's performance and the performance of the entire world at the 2020 Summer Games in Tokyo. But as January turned into February, the world faced a crisis that started in a relatively unknown to the Western place in China, Wuxian, China, where people began to be sick with the coronavirus or what is known as COVID-19. We live in a global world and we've always talked, Taekwondo has always been ahead of the curve on this. We, we, we know that Taekwondo transcends borders, it transcends countries, it transcends language. And Taekwondo is practiced in almost 200 countries around the world. This has become a global world, commerce, trade, travel, has connected the world, the internet, in a way that heretofore was unknown. And that perhaps in my childhood, problems in China might be unknown to us. Perhaps in my childhood, a disease that started in Wuxian, China, for better or for worse, would have stayed there and never spread beyond there. But we live in a globally interconnected world. And as January became February, it became apparent that the virus had spread outside of China and it spread to Europe. Italy had become particularly plagued, but all of Europe was affected and the United States. And as of the date of the filming of this, of the taping of this conversation, while Taekwondo is in 200 countries around the world, the coronavirus is in 176 countries and growing and certainly has affected everywhere in the world from international travel to border restrictions to economic integrity to hospitality to certain businesses. Now, those of you who understand, particularly in the West, the schedule of Taekwondo and the way the Taekwondo events work, the spring is a particularly busy time. State qualifiers, state championships, sparring tournaments, Pumse tournaments, enrollment in our dojangs go up. People look to shake off the winter doldrums. In January, everybody talks about the fact that the clock is reset, but it isn't really until the rebirth of the feeling of spring that people really get their bodies 
moving and energized and people get into the dojang and and really work. Certainly also around the country, April through May into June, for many, many dojangs marks the annual black belt testing, particularly in Kukyuan's certified dojangs under Kukyuan jurisdiction programs. This time of year is very, very heavy with people who've worked for years either to get to first on or to get to their next level. And this time of year marks where all of that hard work and all of that practice and all of that energy and all of that physical fitness is tested in the confines of a dojang in a relatively grueling undertaking that for most leads to that sense of accomplishment as they earn their stripe, their colored belt, their don, their next don. But as the virus began to grow and spread and, and concerns about people's health began to spread, precautions have been taken. Schools have been closed. Businesses have been closed. Local and regional and national restrictions have come into place. And for the most part, the world of the Taekwondo Dojang has grinded to, by this date, a complete and total halt. Schools are not open for us to walk into and start training or taking class or teaching class. The difficult thing about that is our children, for, for many of us, are home. They're engaged in academic activities, but they're home seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Most places that, that can be gone to, the movies, the mall, amusement parks, Disney World, all shut down, particularly for our young people. They need physical fitness to maintain their physical and mental health and to burn off their excess energy. It's a tremendous difficulty. It's a tremendous conundrum. It's a tremendous challenge. So what has the Taekwondo community, what have the Taekwondo masters, what has the Taekwondo world done to deal with this challenge? It really is unprecedented, and it really is something to marvel at, and it really is something that makes me proud to be part of this community. Almost immediately, I began to see in the Taekwondo universe and the Taekwondo stratosphere responses to Dojang closures, communication with students, communication with parents, communication with practitioners. And I think that what we've come to see is that we live in such a unique time. I talked earlier about the interconnectedness of the world, but we live in such a unique time that there are really three pillars that came together and that have really transformed the landscape of Taekwondo practice in this situation and probably have changed Taekwondo practice and communication forever. The first of those pillars is technology. We all know technologies. We're victims of it to some degrees. We're helped by it in other degrees. But in this situation, the ability to communicate directly, cost-effectively, quickly with people in our community has really, really transformed the Taekwondo experience. As I've looked online, I've seen people using YouTube, men like Master Joseph Lupo in Queens, New York, New York Black Belt Center, had begun posting a series of informational videos, but also posting a series of curriculum units, forms broken down, executed in a, in a pattern and a style that is easily digestible and digestible for folks at home. I saw a master grandmaster, Duncan Park in New Jersey, a senior gentleman who is, is well known to the Taekwondo community, offering his classes or limited classes, but classes using the Zoom conference video chats. Masters Elliot and Edward Park of 
YH Park Taekwondo Academy of Levittown, formed a Facebook group called YHP Live, and immediately came up with a structured curriculum and written materials that they could disseminate to their students and began to schedule online Facebook Live classes for the student body and for the parents to be able to participate in. That is the power of technology and the first pillar. The second pillar is something that we've talked about on the show. It's been a repeated theme, and that's the new generation of traditional Taekwondo master. Men like Masters Elliot and Edward Park, men like Master Chan Lee, men like Grandmaster Sung Si Kim, who come from immigrant traditional Taekwondo masters and grandmasters and are Western educated and respect the value of the traditional Taekwondo training, but have more fluency with technology, that have a greater amount of American education, and that have a connection to the growing demographic of younger people that are training the martial arts. These mindsets of these men, these positive men, these men and women who have undertaken to meet any challenge, and this is a great challenge, understood the need to respond quickly and vigorously during a time of crisis is really, really, really amazing. The, the pool of, of good people that we have in the Taekwondo community is really, really, the cream is rising to, to the top. And those people in group one, using the technology to not only connect with their students, but to connect with each other through groups like the American Sabonim Association and other uh, organizations to be able to brainstorm, to be able to very easily communicate with one another and come up with ideas and share ideas. And there's a generosity to their spirit and to be able to share, not in a competitive way, but in a, a, a selfless and a giving way, ideas and thoughts has really, really been transformative. And the third tier of that pillar, in my opinion, is just the traditional Taekwondo mindset and mentality that all of these men and women carry with them because of who they are and where they come from. And that is, as we know, the Taekwondo tenets of perseverance and indomitable spirit. So you take that indomitable spirit and perseverance, you take the, the, their youth and vitality, you take their education and, and their understanding of technology, and you take the availability of cost-effective technology, and you put all that together. And what you've got is a dramatic and meaningful response to a crisis that for all intents and purposes completely caused Taekwondo training, Taekwondo competition, Taekwondo advancement to come to a grinding, grinding halt, not only in the United States, but around the world. So what have they done? As I indicated, YHP Live, YouTube videos, Zoom conferencing. The idea is to engage with the, the student population. The idea is to give those folks an outlet to be able to help them to maintain spiritual, mental, and physical health during this time when Dojang accessibility is limited. And what I've really loved is the thoughtful way in which each of them, and, I, and I've spent the last couple of days uh, really, really looking and studying uh, what many of them have done. And Ali Gafour, also uh, really commendable what he's done with 2020 Armor using this time 
to not sell his product, but to educate and to connect with people and to disseminate information and to offer advice to folks throughout the Taekwondo community, whether they be students or masters or dojang instructors. Uh, It really has been amazing to see. But if you were to take YHP Live, for example, not only is there a video connection to to the students where the students have the opportunity to watch their masters conducting a class, but it's constructed in a way that, again, is digestible, understands that people are going to be training alone or in small groups, that understands that people will be training in the confines of their home, in their basement, in their living room, outside in a park, but without all of the ability to do the kind of things that we do in a dojang. And that many of the things that are being done are mirroring the class curriculum to be able to keep people on path so that when the eventual return to the dojang occurs, that it will be seamless or as seamless as it can be. Normally at the Wyche Park Taekwondo Academy, the third week of training is what they call sparring week. It's devoted to sparring and sparring techniques and things of that nature. Well, for the YHP Live in the third week, that is the, that is the curriculum component that was being taught yesterday as I watched their, their, their live feed. And that type of engagement, that type of continuity keeps people secure. It keeps people familiar. It keeps people on point so that they don't become disengaged, that they don't become removed from the Taekwondo training scenario. And I I found it to be impressive. And reading the comments and reading the feedback that was online from the parents and from the children and from the students, it was also amazingly positive and and, and upbeat. It is a time, a challenging time for all of us. It is a time that is very, very difficult. It's a time that is unprecedented for, for those of us that are in our the middle part of our life. We've never seen anything like this. We've never been challenged with anything like this. But it makes me proud to see that members of my community, members of the Taekwondo community, are leading the charge to do what they can to minimize the impact on our population and to offer value from the standpoint of their dojangs and from the standpoint of enhancing people's lives. What's interesting is hopefully by the time this show airs or shortly thereafter, this crisis will be winding down and we'll be returning to the thought or getting near returning to the traditional practice of Taekwondo and the return to dojang practice. And believe me, I don't think that there's anyone who would argue that this type of online learning, that this type of remote learning is a substitute for dojang training. I think for those of us that have done this for a long time, we feed off of the energy of other students. We feed off of the thoughtful and watchful supervision and supervising eye of a grandmaster and a master to correct us, to inspire us, to lift us up, to challenge us. And that is done in a relationship of give and take. That's very, very hard to do under the online platform. But were the alternative to do nothing, were the alternative to just sit and engage in streaming television and playing video games and even reading a book and not challenging ourselves to stay on with our curriculum, were those things to occur? I think the future of Taekwondo, while it'll always be strong, while it'll always be solid, would certainly take a major setback. These exciting men and women of the Taekwondo community have done what they can to hold things in place and to create stability and tranquility. And for me, it is just another example of the things that make me proud 
to be a Taekwondo practitioner. On one final note, we released this week something that was very topical, a, an article that was written several years ago by Dave Young. For those of you that know Dave Young, Dave Young is a tremendous asset and consultant that works with the Taekwondo community on practical self-defense training and many types of uh, alertness training and awareness training. He's the author of a terrific book and a number of articles. Dave had written an article for us several years ago, pre-coronavirus, called, Is Your Taekwondo Equipment Making You Sick? I couldn't help but pull it out and read it again in light of these circumstances, and I couldn't help but post it, which I did on our website and on our Facebook page. But one of the things that, that is very, very clear in my time in Taekwondo is that our dojangs are our house of discipline. And while we work hard and while we work up a sweat and while we really don't hesitate to give 150%, that there is an obligation to the facility. There's an obligation to our masters and our grandmasters. There's an obligation to our fellow students. And there's an obligation to the parents that come to watch that we keep ourselves clean, that we keep our equipment clean, and that we keep our house of training, our house of discipline clean. I have been fortunate in... in my experience in traveling the Taekwondo world, that I think that this is a tenant that is widely understood. However, it is important that we take more diligence, keep those uniforms clean when we return back, make sure that we're using precautions both in the dojang, in the locker areas, in the bathrooms, and that as it relates to our equipment, the equipment that touches our body, where we were perspiring, where we're perhaps bleeding, that we take a little bit extra time after training to not simply throw all of our equipment in the bag and never think about it again until we go back on the mat. And that's one of the things that Dave Young's article talks about. Part and parcel, right? We, we take our car out for a spin. We do whatever it is we need to do. We take it to the car wash. We, we detail the outside. We vacuum the inside. We really need to take that same approach to our uniforms, to all of our Taekwondo equipment. You know, in traditional Taekwondo, there was no cleaning services. There was no outside people that cleaned. It was the obligation of the students as part and parcel of your obligation to your school, as your thanks, as your gratitude for giving back to your Taekwondo community. Students are the ones. And when we talked to Cheryl Lewis recently, a stunt woman, when she trained in Japan, that mentality was still very much alive. And she talked about how much more connected, it made her feel to her Taekwondo school to get on her hands and knees and scrub the floor after side by side with her masters and with her younger students to clean the school and make sure that the school was ready and clean for the next class or for the next day. In this post-coronavirus world, as we emerge from this pandemic, we've learned a lot of lessons. Hopefully we've connected with the things in our life that are really and truly important. And we've become engaged in understanding the power of our adaptive heart, our indomitable spirit, and our perseverance as we go on to live our best Taekwondo lives. I wish you health and I wish you safety. And I really do look forward to seeing you guys back on the mat in your home dojang at your local tournament at the next referee seminar and either at the 2020 Olympics or if it does get moved to 2021, to the 2021 Olympics. On behalf of Taekwondo Life Magazine, I thank you and good night.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.